It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 860 for the 8th of December, 2023. This week, it's easy to overlook the one step that can eliminate frustration with a computer and make the device more rewarding to use. Operating systems and applications can be modified so that they work the way you want them to, but it is up to you to do the modifications. In short circuits, if you empty the recycle bin immediately after deleting files, or if you never empty it at all, you're missing an important benefit. It takes only a minute or two to implement a change that picks the middle path between those two extremes. When you're looking for a particular type of entertainment on Netflix, you'll probably get faster results if you use a category ID number, and it's easy to find those codes. And 20 years ago, only on the website, until late 2003, moving from one cellular service to another meant you would have to change your phone number. Portability had finally arrived. Sometimes we complain about things that can easily be changed. I used we there because I'm including myself. I've been known to mutter about the way an operating system or an application works for months, only to discover later that I could have taken a minute to apply a tweak and solve the problem. Now granted, sometimes it does take a while to find the solution. Five minutes or five hours. But the implementation rarely takes more than a minute or two. But sometimes it's better to avoid knee-jerk reactions. The developers may fix the problem, or the solution may already exist, requiring only that you RTFM or read the fine manual. I have examples for both of those. Windows Explorer, for example, continues to improve, and though I'm not yet ready to drop Qdir in favor of the built-in file explorer, adding tabs to the interface does help. And although I didn't like what Microsoft did with the context menu in Windows 10, I do like the improvements that are present in the just-released 23H2 version of Windows 11. Icons have been added at the top to cut, copy, rename, share, or delete an object. What I didn't care for in the previous version, the Show More Options button, is less of a problem because the initial context menu is more suited to the type of file selected. Options for JPEG include opening with the default handler, opening with another program, rotating the image, resizing it, setting it as the desktop background, and copying the path. If the selected file is a Photoshop document, some of the actions that aren't appropriate are gone. The third example is a text file that doesn't have an extension. The File Explorer recognizes it as a text file and offers the appropriate options. Cuter is similar, except that it has no Show More Options buttons. Everything appears in one long list, and that list varies depending on the file type. If you don't like the new system, it is possible to restore the previous functionality with a registry edit. And that's explained in Rick's Daily Tips. I have a link to his explanation on the TechBiter Worldwide website. 
But sometimes the solution already exists. All you have to do is check out the documentation. Fences, a utility I'll tell you about soon, has become one of my new favorite utilities, along with several others from Stardock. Fences has two primary purposes. It allows the user to organize desktop images into groups inside rectangles, and it maintains the positions of the icons even if Windows tries to move them. Now that's a cool idea, I thought, but ultimately it's not very useful because I can't get to the desktop without minimizing all of the applications on screen. That can be done with a single click, but then I would need to restore all of the applications. There is a help file, though, and it solved the problem once I took the time to look at it and read it. There's a function called peek, triggered by pressing the Windows key and the space bar. That's the default, but there are several others if some other application already has defined Windows space bar. That is the magic keystroke that places the desktop icons controlled by fences on top of everything else on the screen. Double-click an icon to launch an application or open a file, and Fences returns to the background. Many Windows behaviors that are considered annoyances can be eliminated or at least reduced by utilities such as Microsoft's Power Toys or by some of the dozens of built-in keyboard shortcuts that are part of Windows. The primary problem is that it's hard to remember all those keyboard shortcuts that you need because so many exist. I've found it useful to take an hour or two occasionally just to review what's available. There's an old saying by workers and craftspeople, time spent sharpening the scythe is not time wasted. Replace scythe with any tool of your choosing, and that tool might be Windows, Photoshop, or Microsoft Word. Learning how to use a tool properly does take time, but it will save time and eliminate frustrations. You can never know too much about the tools you use. So I have a challenge here. I'm going to be bold and give you an assignment. Carry it out or don't, as you prefer. There are several steps, and I sincerely believe that performing even some of these activities will make your time in front of the computer more rewarding. First, install Microsoft Power Toys. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. When I prepared this report back in mid-November, Power Toys included 23 components. I have enabled most of them on my computers. Take five minutes to review what each function does, enable the ones that you think might be useful, leave the others for later. So if you spend five minutes on each of the components, that's going to take you nearly two hours, but it's time well spent. And then revisit Power Toys once a week until you've had time to enable an experiment with each of the functions. By then, there may be more than 23 components. Updates and additions are frequent. Next, look at every application you've installed. First, look at the Preferences or Options settings in the menu. Maybe you'll have to look for it, but nearly every application does have settings of some sort. Consider the changes you can make that would force the application to work the way you want it to, not force you to work the way the developers thought you should work. Developers are right a lot of the time, but not always. Make changes. See if your settings are better than the defaults. Next, many applications accept 
plugins or extensions. Browser extensions are common. Most Adobe applications have extensions. Some email programs allow add-ons. This concept isn't new. It dates back to the 1990s. Identify extensions that provide functions you wish the application had. Install them and see if they work for you. I added Mail Merge, Send Later, Unicodify, and Manually Sort Folders to Thunderbird. Mail Merge lets me send email messages with user-specific attachments. Send Later delays message transmission for two minutes, or whatever period you choose, so that I can add something I forgot if I realize right after I pushed the Send button that I needed to add something. Unicodify replaces straight quotes with typographic quotes. Manually sort folders makes it possible for me to arrange folders the way I'd like to see them. At last, examine a list of shortcut keys that are enabled by default in Windows. The Windows Club has a good list. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. There are probably more than you can remember. Certainly more than I can remember. But look through the list. Think about which shortcut keys might perform an action you need frequently. Write it down, stick a note on the monitor, and then use it until muscle memory makes it yours. The time you spent mastering the tool, as I said earlier, is never wasted. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, some Windows users empty the recycle bin almost immediately after deleting a file. That's really not a good idea because it eliminates the ability to recover an accidentally deleted file. Others never empty the recycle bin, and that's also not a good idea because junk piles up. There is a better way. For far too long, I've emptied the recycle bin too soon and I've had to use another means to recover an accidentally deleted file or to get an older version back, ideally, the recycle bin would keep everything you send there for a week or so, and then quietly and automatically delete it. That's achievable. Almost. I would prefer a one-week period, because most people will figure out immediately that they've accidentally deleted something they wanted to keep. At most, it'll be obvious in a day or two when you try to reopen the file and it's not there. That's why my previous process of automatically emptying the recycle bin really wasn't a good choice. To fix the problem, you can open the Settings and choose the System tab on the left, then open the Storage panel and activate Storage Sense if it's not already activated. Then click the right arrow and click the box to Clean up Temporary Files. Activate Automatic User Content Cleanup and choose a time period. My preference is to have this run once a month. 
Set the period to delete files that are in the recycle bin to whatever time you feel is most logical. I would prefer seven days, but that's not an option, so I chose 14 days. The other options are 30 or 60 days, which seems too long, one day, which seems too brief, and never, which would simply continue the problem we're trying to solve. If you routinely move downloaded files where they can be safely stored, consider having Windows delete them from the default Downloads directory. I don't use the Downloads directory, but some temporary downloads are stored there. I have these files deleted two weeks after they've been downloaded. The safer option would be to retain the default setting of Never. And if you leave files in the download directory permanently, leave the setting set to Never. You can also have online files deleted if you haven't opened them for a while. Local copies of files would still be retained if you created local copies, but I have so few online files in Microsoft OneDrive that I don't bother. Once you've made the changes, the recycle bin will be self-cleaning. Because I have decades of muscle memory that causes me to empty the recycle bin whenever it contains files, I moved it to the far edge of the third screen so it's not in my line of sight. With Christmas just around the corner, maybe you'd like to watch some British Christmas specials, or some from Canada or Europe. Or maybe you'd prefer something non-Christmassy, a political comedy, a crime drama, maybe even a Korean television show. Locating film types is easy in Netflix. Just open Netflix, choose Search, and type British Christmas movies. You'll get a few hits. All right, so maybe that's not quite that simple. But what if you type 1527064 into the search box? Ah, now you'll get a much larger list of British Christmas movies. Why is that? Well, I have no clue. Netflix assigns British Christmas programs to category 1527064. So all you need is that number. Netflix, of course, provides a list of its category numbers to make searching easier for customers, doesn't it? Well, no. Netflix does not provide such a list, even though it would be useful. But then it's Netflix. For that, you need the website Netflix Codes, and I have a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The service is free. Why Netflix doesn't provide a list of these codes is a mystery, but Netflix Codes has main categories such as action and adventure, anime and Christmas, or thrillers, TV shows, and sports movies. Each category has a range of subcategories. Find the appropriate number, type it into Netflix, and, as the Brits say, Bob's your uncle. No special codes are needed for 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, we look back to 2003 and the introduction of number portability for cellular phone service. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.